wish you knew more stuff. Wish you were more helpful around the house or had an understanding of something that people are talking about at a party. Don't worry, you're not alone. That's why we have enlisted Skillshare to help you out. That's right, Skillshare is a proud sponsor of the A7FL and the A7FL's three-on-one podcast. We want you to get in on the good stuff now. So go to the link right below in the description or wherever you're watching this or go to a7fl.tv slash podcast. Click the Skillshare link and you get a free 30-day trial because you are a fan of the A7FL. So do the thing. Head on over right now to a7fl.tv slash podcast or click right in the description below if you're watching us on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast right now. Do the thing. Click the link in the info below and sign up now. Do 30 days free because of us here at the A7FL. Well, because because we love you. We want you to have cool stuff. And now back to this piece of A7FL content, more than likely showing my face. good show um but what had happened was the talk was too spicy and the audio melted so we're gonna try this again but we're not gonna do the exact same show because you may not deserve it it's a three-on-one podcast i'm matt ryan and welcome to the a7fl championship post show of the post show of the post show on the three-on-one podcast on a7fl.tv presented by skillshare as always joining me on the pod you know them you love them he's my quarterback it's Corey hammond and blocking the line as always he may be a diva he may know how to have bachata and he might be in the sangria bag you know him he's the one and only big rob fabian and guys it has been two weeks or a week jeez a week since the a7fl championship uh we're clearing through the soot and uh, the sand and everything else to find what are the stories that will cover us until next March, or at least when fall brawl starts, which I believe is this December 3rd. Um, When we look at this championship weekend, I can honestly say it was the greatest game I've ever called. Um, Certainly in terms of broadcasting experiences, top five in terms of the great game we had, the great work that you guys did. Um, a chaotic finish, uh, Corey uh, simping for Mike Tice in front of God and everybody. Uh, <laughs> but a shout out to our team, uh, Zach Morgan, who is our producer tonight, uh, Alex Soberman, who's our always producer, uh, David Soberman on stats, Cole Gardella on graphics, Mel Carey, Ryan DePaul, all the people that have helped us out, and Peanut. Shout out to Peanut. Shout out to uh, Peanut. We had a great time uh, in Bullhead City, aside from the heat, but. When we look at this A7FL championship game, at certain points it felt like certain teams had the advantage, but the the ghost of Donnie Bunak and the ability of those Insomniacs players, Rob, you've been assailing Quincy Burtz oh, uh, uh, from, the, okay. from the moment we saw him. Yes, let's start there. Until... 
he earned the right to co-MVP honors with Anthony RTC Wilkerson. Uh, earned those honors, in my opinion. Uh, I like I'll, that. I'll give flowers for a great defensive performance. And we could actually start there. And I want to formally, formally apologize to Quincy Burns for calling him ass overall. You're just ass at quarterback. But as a football player, you are a legend, bro. I'm, I'm going to be clear on that. I think Quincy – I've been big on this. I've, I've gotten into debates about this. Um, yeah, you can see our group chat. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's not to say that RTC didn't play a hell of a game because he definitely did. There's, no, there's nothing to take away from RTC's game. I think he played phenomenal. But what Quincy was able to do and the way it shifted the momentum in that building and where we were, because guess what, guys? Momentum played a factor in this game. Crowd noise played a factor in this game. The energy in the building played a factor in this game. Quincy was responsible for, in my opinion, the two greatest plays we saw that day that honestly gave... Gave the Insomniacs all the juice they needed to feel like they can win that game. And well, and, that, and the important thing I think we talked about all week leading up the entire weekend was I think what we talked about that entire week is with the potency of both of those offenses, maybe the most important plays would be the stops. Now they happen in in literally sequential defensive plays by that's the crazy, same Corey. player. That's crazy. But but, but I and, and that's what makes it more. That, that makes it more sensational, I think. That makes it so much more uh, of a momentum shift and an and attitude play and, and one of those things that makes everyone else just that, that little bit better that's intangible. But real, realistically, we kind of made that point going in. The defensive stops were going to be the plays. And I think the one defensive stop, even though it was by an offensive guy, that is going to be maybe talked about or, or there's going to be, you know, fish stories about it, how it evolves into something different from oh, both sure. sides adding for their sure. bias. Five seasons from now. Lions I want to hear it. Breaking away that interception from Flutie uh, at the corner of the end zone. Corey, for the first time ever, you're not talking. Are you okay? I think Kat I'm got here, I'm here, We're no, trying stop. something new with the show, and Corey's getting caught up because he's not used to having a voice in his head. <laughs> Besides, yeah, no, we're not I, cutting I this out. It's head. just Corey. But it's Corey's not, not it's used not to someone in his ear that's head. not me, Rob, oh, or the like, other voices. He said, wait a second. Is that my other voice? How? What are you doing here? Corey, relax. Corey, relax. So, so when Donye lines back back to back to me being me, when Donye, I was actually I was actually being considerate this time, guys. Most of the time, I just blow through timers and guys the, talking the, to my. The ear. time we need you to just go through it, right? Go ahead, Corey. I'm listening. We're locked I, in. I'm, I'm a change man. You see this slick back? I'm 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 evolving as we speak. <laughs> but anyway, Donye Lyons breaking up an interception when he was. Really, one of the better defensive defender players on the Insomniacs, but when he was on offense and the ball was just a little bit underthrown, making sure that the Insomniacs kept possession—that was one of those game play, uh, game breaking type plays that we'll talk about a lot because a lot of times, you know, you ask the wrong person, he's going to give you the the uh, opinion that that should have been called an interception and that's game over, and that there's different guys holding okay. up the trophy, but. 
you know, shout out to Quincy Burt who in, in the previous show and our, uh, you know, our, our direct messages uh, had a lot of praise. I think we have to, you know, kind of repeat that aspect of our show and say that Quincy Burt deserves plenty of credit for the plays that he made as a savvy kind of like just, just heady football type of guy. But I think there's a lot more to be said about just the, the collective elite level plays, including things like on the touchdown run from RTC, where we're focused on the ball carrier. Munchie blocks three people in a seven on seven lead. And if you're trying to win a championship, you on fourth and four, you block three guys. That's championship level football. And I, I don't care if you're a wide receiver catching head top passes, no disrespect to David Clark and, and, Logo Davis and the guys who were just balling out at that position during the entire game. But to win the championship, it wasn't the elite runs or the, you know, one-handed grabs. What it was were the the gritty, heady, you know, real championship-level football plays that don't necessarily go in the stat sheet the same way as some of those, you know, highlights go. But that's how championship-level football is played in the A7FL. And to your point, Corey, about that championship-level play, when you take a look at defense, and not just traditional defense, but defense on championship points, something that we coin our extra points here in the A7FL, they truly were championship points because the Nightcrawlers left six championship points, up to six championship points uh-huh. on the table in that game. Uh-huh. And the great defense of the Insomniacs really made sure that they weren't going to be able to operate within 10 to 5 yards of the goal line. And then another thing, these teams had two of the best returners in the A7, in my opinion, Donye Lyons for the Insomniacs and BME Keese for the Nightcrawlers. And while they would get 40 yards, 30 yards on returns, which is in any other sport great, we've seen three-on-one returns go to the house on average once a week this season. And to see no three-on-one returns from both of those teams in the championship showed how much those two teams were focusing on two very important points of the game. And that's going to be, I think, the next stage of the evolution in the A7 is dedicated defensive players for dedicated special team players. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're defensive players. I could agree with that. But I I am probably part of the community that doesn't think that this was a very defensive heavy game. I personally think this might be the greatest offensive showing that we have seen in the A7FL period. And that's including teams I've been on where I thought we were the greatest show on turf. I don't think we've ever seen two offenses this powerful going at it. So much so that to me, when we talk about the defensive plays, they kind of get overshadowed a little bit. Phenomenal things happen, but I definitely think this was more of an offensive focused game than it was a defensive game. And that's why that's why those big turnovers. Sorry, Corey, just to make a quick point and then go to you. Those turnovers were key in the in changing the polarity and shutting the door on that game. This is the highest scoring game in A7FL championship history. Facts. There's no arguing about that. That is fact. Um, but the defense, the defensive play inside 10 yards, because it was the big plays that were getting the scores. We didn't see a lot of inside the 20, inside the red zone 
plays that frequently from either teams. It was getting big chunks, those big home run plays from either side. We would see one or two touchdowns from the red zone, but it was those big chunk plays. And Rob, I know you're looking at me some type yeah. of way right now, but a little bit. I think those in those moments, but the big chunk plays were the part of it. Like defense in between the twenties were giving up to the big play because both quarterbacks or all the quarterbacks on both teams could conceivably run and beat you for 10 yards. Right. And we were seeing those two interceptions come off of tossbacks or real desperation plays from the quarterback. And those were momentum shifters. This was more an offensive heavy game, two great offenses. But when the offenses lost focus, that's when the defense stepped up because the Nightcrawlers were getting three and outs. The Insomniacs were getting three interceptions. So there's merit to what you're saying, but I do believe the defense at points where they needed to step up would step up for their teams. Corey, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say that in the game, it was, it was two, it felt like two different games because when it was 32 to 20, I think basically what we could say is that the, the, the Nightcrawlers were scoring at will easily. Every single one of their touchdowns was an easy play. Now, obviously, I can't do that. You guys can't do that. You know, Zach, who's, who's helping out tonight, he probably could have done some of it. But none of those were easy plays, but they looked like they were a cakewalk. And then what the Insomniacs would do to respond and stay in the game in the entire first half is they would score, but it would be a, a laborious drive, and they would run, run, convert on fourth down, run, 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 convert on fourth down, get a big play, get a penalty that saves them. And then they would finally punch it in. Right. The, the game really changed on those big momentum plays with, with the interceptions to Quincy Burtz because that's really when the Insomniac's offense started to kind of open up a little bit more. And once I, I don't, I don't really... necessarily agree with that take either. I don't think the offense opened up. What, what I do think, I do agree, that's when the momentum shifted. I think the, the Insomniac's doubled down on what their offense can do they were able to get those opportunities because guess what? They missed two opportunities to score. But what, what Quincy did is he got them inside the red zone both times on those interceptions. And then that gave them an opportunity for quick score. Quick but they, score. Didn't, they didn't score on those two drives after the interceptions. On yes, one they play did. Found it. No, 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 no. It was fourth, no. It was fourth right. down. Scooter had to throw to Dabick in the back and, of the end zone. The but, first guess, one. but guess and what? The other one all was inside the 30. All inside the 30. All yeah, but but what I'm saying is, is they started to they started to trust Scooter and the mismatches on the outside because then later in the game they threw the ball deep to Davick and Davick absolutely smoked Mark Bagway. It was one of the only times that Mark Bagway looked like a human being that whole game. And when they started to hit that deep ball to Davick, that's when the the lanes opened up a little bit even more for. RTC, in my opinion, in the second half. So that's all I was saying. I mean, obviously, when you get the ball uh, from Quincy Burtz and he, and he gives it gift wrap to you on the 27 the first time, and then the second time it's right almost in the exact same spot, they didn't score by doing what kind of got them there and what they had committed to early on in the game and even late in the game. Because on fourth and four, they did audible out of something because they were going to go stop at the sticks. But then they went right back to the speed option and credit Munchie for making the blocks. But, I mean, I think we could talk about the minutia of this game all day. Basically, it goes down to this. Nightcrawlers are better than almost every other team in the, in the A7FL and probably would have won against almost every single team that season except for 
the team that they played in the place that they played it with all that was going on around it. And shout-outs to both teams. But like I said, Insomniacs are them. And when we look ahead to the 10th season of the A7FL, holy smokes. Like, we are entering season 10 next March, and I can't wait to see what we do in our third season together as a commentary team if we don't get tossed out for fancy people. And and we'll talk about that, Corey. We'll talk about Run, Matt, Run in oh, just sorry. a little bit. I'll just get camera there. <laughs> but uh, shout out to Jess Hammond. You can get her beautiful artwork of me running at tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch. That is tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch. And, of and course, that's where you, you get your championship you... shirt. Stop exactly. Yeah, you know that. He's, he's not just handing these things out. You can send a link. tinyurl.com backslash a7fl merch. Anyway. And you can you can get all you can get your A7FL championship shirts there too, and also sign up for Skillshare today. Absolutely free. Use our link in the description to get a free trial, free seven days, and get us paid. So please do that. Um, we have to pay for Corey's children somehow. Uh, but guys, as we look ahead to 2024. As soon as it hit July 24th, or at least it hit 11 p.m. in the Pacific, 2 a.m. in the East on July 24th, end of 23rd, as soon as that we crowned an A7FL champion, it became free agent season in the A7FL. Uh, for some teams, fall season, we're going to see some interesting new matchups, and we saw some interesting East changes being talked about and permeating in the background. We don't have an Adam Schefter in this league um, but we do hear things, we drink and we know things here in the A7FL. And one of those See, first you know Game of Thrones references. Oh I live on the internet, so I know a little bit. Um, but out, outside of uh, the dude from that episode of 30 Rock, who was one of the dragon people, uh, one of the big pieces that may or may not be a Rookie of the Year candidate in the A7FL year-end awards. A little presumptuous on his part to call himself the Rookie of the Year for 2023 in his announcement. But Isaac Gomez, who is known as Baby Joker uh, from the (laughs) Silk City Animals, has joined the Trenton BIC for 2024. Rob, you you are shaking your head disappointingly. Uh, What's your take on... The BIC making the first move in free agency. Usually they keep a lot of that stuff silent, but I, I, well, at least in terms of it being July and or August 1st, it's August 1st when we're recording this and right. we had someone signing with a team or joining a team about nine months before we throw off for season 10. Honestly, there's nothing I hate more than after the championship, you know, guys are running around claiming they're on this team and claiming on that team. Um, if he signed to BIC, good for him. But BIC, I just want people to understand the type of team BIC is. They showed you Isaac Gomez, but what's really going on, BIC is not announcing. No, I'm going to be honest. I love Baby Joker. I love what he was able to do. I do personally feel like most of the stuff he was able to do, he was able to do because of Huff, and Huff gave him a lot of opportunities to be great. I personally said most of these younger players are 
players that are getting shaved off of teams to make other teams or switch teams, those guys should all just follow Huff. Wherever Huff goes, you go. I promise you, if all these talented guys follow Huff, you can find a super team on Snow Tribe, Renegade. But, but hold on, Animal. hold on, hold on. That's what you're saying. I think you're you're saying something really, really interesting there, Rob. No, because you're going to say Baby something Joker that you're is, saying. But what I'm saying is, is if Baby Joker is already uh, in teams, uh, and you're and you're – like you, you know, your your idea was just to follow Huff, and you've got you know such an influential voice in this league. Does that mean that we could assume that Huff is already looking somewhere else if Baby Joker is already on another team? This is that's the scary part about what happened. Because I think I think we, scary. we love Baby Joker, right? We love Baby Joker as a player, and him going wherever that's cool. That's cool. I mean, if he was going to you know a, a different team and it was like he started his own team or or he was he he, had, yeah. he also had a post where he was going to go play out in Arizona because of that guy we talked to that weekend, yeah, his right? Coach, his, his former coach. coach, yeah. That would have been some some breaking news. Him going to BIC, I think, is the same thing as what you assumed for other big name skill position guys going to BIC. It's it's like yeah, you're joining a group where you're not necessarily going to stand out any more than the other guys. No, so I, I don't think it's, it's, it's not a bad move, but it's like what are we really saying? But I think the move is is that since he is already moving that there are think, there is movement that we can't report yet, right? So Corey's basically trying to say that there's I'm going to I'm just going to say it. Corey thinks that Huff is on BIC. We can't. I don't know. Well, no, hold on. I, wait, wait. I don't think that's fair. No, because because it's a. Let, let Rob explain. That that a, I was going to ask a question about this. It's a follow Huff situation, right? Here's the thing. Here's the scary part about Vegas winning the championship that people don't understand. This happens in this league often, right? Another another division wins a chip. New Jersey's in a scramble. Um, Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore's in a scramble. All these guys are in a scramble. So. The potential, which is, again, it's crazy to think Huff would go to BIC. It's really crazy because Huff is such a Patterson-heavy guy. He left the U and went to another Patterson team. So I don't think... Well, I, I, I've got to put my reading glasses on because okay. I was just sent... Trey Robinson posted something on Facebook. Oh, Teams can merge and bring flag guys in, but if you ain't bringing dogs, it's going to be the same outcome. Is he talking, no, it, talking to BIC? Hold on. Hold on. Let me finish. All Com right. This is someone commenting. Calm down. You won, but best believe won't run it back. Who said Honestly, it? You're really not even nice. This was just your year at the right time. Enjoy, champ. Who said it? You know who wrote that? Who? Wattrell Huffin. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Listen. my question oh my that I am positing to Ooh. everyone here is the doomsday scenario that we've been talking about in the background since the second week of the playoffs going to happen because everybody that is up here has heard about it. And if Quatrell Huffin goes to the BIC, it's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. Not even that. Oh, but what do you even do? Players from a team that knocked the BIC out of the playoffs make a move because there's a lot of uncertainty about what we're going to see coming out of New Jersey next year. I can tell you, I can tell you from history, from literally from A7FL history, what happens in these situations. I don't know specifically what's going on with BIC or Huff or anything. 
But if history tells us anything, there is a new super team on their way. Whether it's BIC, whether it's the U, whether it's a team we don't know anything about, it's going to involve Huff 100%. Huff is going to be the face of it. And let's just hypothetically put Huff on BIC. Holy batshit, Batman. What would the league do with that? Because I know st- you're about to say, where does Sterry go and all this other stuff? Sterry's not a quarterback, bro. Sterry didn't come to this he, league. He's to not, but if you, we've been talking about the two-quarterback system all year. Yeah. And if your two options to That's rotate Sterry. in and out Sterry and are Huff? Sterry Codrington and Quattro Huffin, bro. who happen to be, by the way, the two guys who held the MVP the last two seasons. Corey Hammond, if you're looking at that as not only competition, but potentially a leader of that team, what do you see? How do you see that playing out? Because we've seen this, this is what this is, is what that leader. sounds like to me. And and I think I think we all know where I stand on the two quarterback system and and all that kind of stuff, which as you can see, my gray hair is is forcing me to disagree with, but let me ask you that, guys this question that doesn't necessarily sound related, but I'll, I'll bring it back to. What if you give the Nightcrawlers some offensive line and a defense that's different guys and willing wait, to kill Corey, Corey, wait, wait. So, speaking of that, I got off the phone with oh, No, 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 wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. wait. Oh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. You happen well, to say what, that. What you're saying to me, what you're saying to me is that the hypothetical that we're talking about is, is oh, Sterry and Huff, right? Mm-hmm. If, we, if we turn a BIC situation into a, a, a Sterry and Huff turn into the logo and Mark Bagway type of shit, and you can put a BIC defense with a BIC offensive line in, fr- in front of two guys that are unselfish and willing to beat and play that style of football that we saw mm-hmm. Sunday. That's rough. That's called overcorrection, right? Like when when there's when there's a, like like an anomaly that happens in in a statistical thing, right? There's the there's the overcorrection. So Vegas won the chip, and rightfully so. They put together, in my opinion, a super team, right? And I don't think they shy away from that. No, I think the the, the Las Vegas Insomniacs are one of the best collections of talent that Vegas could have hypothetically put together. Period. If you said, all right, put together the best players in Vegas, go, it would be that's, pretty close to what the Insomniacs did. That's so exactly guys what we like said to do. Stevenson, that's what we yeah, said to like, do. They did it. But but listen, we also have to credit guys like Stone Stevenson, who might not make that cut, and he was making just as big a plays as anybody else. That guy, that guy Mac or whatever, uh, you know, the guy with the shysty on the three-on-one returns, we looked at him as like, he's, gonna, he's the guy that they're going to pick on. Made the tackle every play, ripped the ball out one time. So, uh, Corey, I want to get to what you were saying, but before that, uh, what are Quattro Huffin's viable options for next season? I can because... tell you. Go ahead. Uh, honestly, le- okay, let's just let's just play the where will Huff go game, right? You can put Huff on Snow Tribe, who is a budding team, a lot of young guys. He'll take a bunch of guys with him. A lot of guys will be gone. It'll kind of be what Corey likes. You know, given guys like, let's say, Trey and Umar Butter-Lewis, if they were to leave BIC, Kaysan Campbell, those guys would go to Snow Tribe, help Huff turn that thing into a powerhouse. Huff can stay on the animals, right? And kind of cultivate the culture there, bring in more flat guys, better linemen, whatever. Huff can go to BIC, 
where I'm pretty sure if they weren't a super team before, they are now a super, super team. Or Huff can come out with a complete, he will not go back to the U. Huff will come out with a completely brand new team filled with familiar faces and brand new guys and, you know, play, play upset King for the entire season 10. Beat teams, we, we don't know anything about his teams and he'll be beating teams we don't think he's supposed to beat. And I think those are all Huff's options. Corey? Well, if you Corey. I think the... Hey there, it's Matt Ryan. Are you enjoying this A7FL podcast? Well, I'm glad you are because that means you can give us money. That's right. You can buy our merch right now at tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch. That's tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch. Up there right now, we have some thick boy season merchandise. We've got some hus hus shirts. And also, we've got some Corey Hammond-related merchandise coming soon. A Corey Hammond, Corey Hammond's T-shirt, hoodie, and a whole lot more. You can get all of them right now, sent to you nice, comfy, and cozy at tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. And also, you can find it in the show notes. Now back to that podcast you like. The hypothetical scenario we're kind of tiptoeing around is, is the, the overcorrection, right? So yeah, Vegas won. But so are we, we're gonna call this episode overcorrection. We're gonna call yeah, it I mean, look, look, okay. If you put Huff and Terry and Ashanti Worthy and and Dakari Mims and the Miller brothers and seventy six from the U, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's a scary team. Because because the thing is, is that the. Based on the way the playoffs were scheduled, uh, were were uh, structured last year, Vegas is Vegas is is the champs. But if if somebody from the Northeast wants to play Vegas, they gotta they gotta face a really pissed off Nightcrawlers team too. And the Nightcrawlers team, they've been that team two years in a row. That yeah, they look like the team to beat, but they didn't win it. And they're what they're what like three yards on that final throw, um, you know, further. It's a from plays. winning that championship after yeah. all that crazy plays, it's three. It's three. So championship the might overcorrect, overcorrect, and that would be scary. To me, if I'm if I'm the BIC, and in no way am I the BIC, I am trying to invest in offensive linemen. I am trying to convince the guys that weren't fully committed last season and showing them this championship game and saying, we left money on the table because you guys were not thinking of what this would mean. That's right. Now we're walking into our game, the game that we created, the game that we defined, the game that we owned for almost a decade, Mm -hmm. and we have handed it to teams from Florida and Nevada. And now, whether you see them as competition or not, Indianapolis is in the mix. I'm hearing about L.A. rebuilding. Kelly Hurst out there is looking to build a winner. Reno is looking to get into the mix for the fall and the spring of next year. You're going to see more teams. You're going to see more opportunities. I'm hearing about more possibilities in 2024 of other teams in the East. We don't know what this is going to look like. We don't. And if I'm Kenny Stansberry, if I'm Carl Meisner, I am calling – Three, I'm calling a few different people. Here, I'm calling here, the Miller Brothers. 
I'm calling Quattrell Huffin, and I am talking to Trey Baskerville because Ooh. one thing that they have lacked mm. is pressure. That's Ferrari was hurt for most of last year. They weren't able to figure it out with the Bell brothers. Ole Bell had a great season last year. Will he return? Will- so, Matt, call it what it is, though. You, 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 said, you said something I find very interesting. If I'm Kenny Stansberry, if I'm Carl Meisner, I'm calling all these people. Let's call it what it is. I think, these, I think Vegas winning overall has changed the narrative. I think we are officially out of the, and I know you guys get what I mean, the town beef era, legit, and it is now the A7FL where it's not about Patterson U, Trenton BIC, um, Essex County, it's not about the towns. Are we looking at a New Jersey team forming here? A New Jersey super team forming to not necessarily worry about the poo-putt players in Jersey, but to be able to knock off the Florida team, the Vegas team, the Indianapolis team, the Boston team. Are we looking at a super New Jersey team forming? Is that what we're looking at? First things first, Corey, your camera's fine. Secondly, um, I think that that that's the eventual goal. I think I think right. the goal eventually is to have defining teams, whether it's one or two teams in each division, going at it week to week. Right, and that's something that I've heard is is a long term goal for the league. Even though we're in season ten, you know, the, the opportunities come from those who want to give opportunity. Um, right. for me if I am seeing a lot of these players or I'm a lot of these players season 10 must make someone feel a certain kind of way for sure. Because that's an accomplishment outside of the NFL and the AFL. How many, you know, how many football leagues make it to 10 years? The AFL only played 10. The AAFC played less than a decade. And I know we're not on that level, but as we continue and build and grow, we're seeing these opportunities for them. And it's going to become a battle of attrition. For me, the best option right now would be, we've got to make one solid run at this. This has to be the year. We can't let this, this decade of our game be bookended by one Jersey champion and someone who's not from home. Mm. And, that's, and this is me saying that looking at it from a Jersey perspective. Right. To be completely honest, I'm agnostic. I have to be agnostic. Right. I've called mostly, if not all, games featuring Jersey teams during my time in this league, but I work for the league. And I have to look at it from the perspective of, yeah, no, I know these guys. Rob and Corey, New Jersey players, two of my closest friends. Corey played for Boston last year, but he's still a Jersey guy. So, of course, there's some you know connection there and the rapport you build with the players. But I'm, you know, we've built that rapport with the Vegas guys. We're building that rapport with Ohio. We're right. we're getting to know these players. What a root for no, all. No, no, no. Dino liked me. Me and Dino talked when he was at the combine. He, we're cool. We're cool. Just yeah, saying. Dino, Dino was Dino was all about everybody there. Um, yeah, I mean, this this is the thing though. Let let's ask let's ask the Baltimore Watchmen because. The scary thing about the, the, the combined thing is, is if it doesn't work, 
if it doesn't go well, then there's a lot of, you know, built-in fingerprint situations. Now, I don't know if the Watchmen were there or are there or what the situation is with the Watchmen, but they just went through it. They had a damn good season, I would say. And they just ran up against the Nightcrawlers playing one of the best games of football I've ever seen. I would say that the Nightcrawlers played better against the Watchmen than they did in, in the championship against the Insomniacs. They played nearly flawless football against the Watchmen. They turned the ball over four times against the Insomniacs. Three but times. the Watchmen three now... You just, you just got to throw an extra one in there. They turned the ball over three times, Corey. Three times. No, before, the final play of the game was an interception. final play was a turnover. Because we're really counting a garbage time. Okay, y'all got it. No, it wasn't garbage time. It was the clincher. It was the clincher. Whether you call it garbage time or not, that was the, that was the ball. Be, I don't know. Do you know do you have any plays I think we can call before that that were the clincher? You got to understand. There's a lot of nuances. All right, all right, yeah, exactly. All right, fine. Yeah. It's three plus interceptions, then, right? Just we'll like you have, we'll like you have three plus chips. We'll take it. No, two plus. I know. I know. <laughs> um, but the we'll point is, it. is the point is, is that ask ask the Watchmen about that super team thing because they just did it, and and the, some of the talk behind the scenes is is that that some of those guys are looking elsewhere to to. Be the guy, like you know. Oh well, they the Insomniacs. Then some. Let's not use the Watchmen. They lost. Insomniacs literally just won the chip, and a well, lot of those guys, the team, right? They're already doing it. Let's talk about the team that won. That's actually doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like they're ready to break up. Done it yet? Or uh, is, or is no. everybody in that alliance chat? Listen, like I don't. I don't. Players on the alliance. I couldn't tell you Matt who's Ryan's doing on it. The I couldn't tell you who's doing it. But in my humble opinion, I personally think. For the Insomniacs to run it back, which everyone expects them to, everyone's expecting them to run this thing back. For them to run it back, I need that same exact team to show up. Because yeah, no, they do, that'd be great. But we thought BIC would run it back, did we not? BIC, we not? they didn't show up, Corey. I just said it. I said Insomniacs have to bring that same team back. BIC, half those guys felt like flag was more important. So they left their team out there in the ringer. They lost twice to the same team and didn't make the big show. So I don't really talk about BIC as much. They owe dough. They owe me. They made me lose my parlay, bro. I, put, I bet but, it all on BIC, bro. But if they, if they do the combined thing and it's the New Jersey nukes or the New Jersey radiation or the New Jersey, like, you know, New Jersey nukes. nukes. The New Jersey Oppenheimers. The, the Oppenheimers. Uh, they might as well be the New Jersey Barbies then too. Fuck it, just go straight. Ken. Oh. Either way, if they if the nuclear option, which is what we're calling this, happens in New Jersey, yeah, the nukes. What, what do we see happening with the rest of the Northeast? Because we're hearing about Baltimore and Snag Sosa's already said he's going back to Baltimore. He's probably landing at the Watchmen. Do they have one team in Baltimore, or do they go back to Gators where it breathes? If they go, if the New Jersey nuke thing happens, Snags and all those guys are going to see that and go back to one team 100%. Um, well, yeah, yeah, that's going to answer To answer Matt's question, what happens to the rest of New Jersey, it's going to be a lot more of what the league doesn't like. It's going to be one team dirt stomping. Four, three teams in, in the lower tier, but the catch with this New Jersey nuke thing, what people are not seeing is that that one big team, there's a lot of cuts that are going to be made that is going to fill up this team here and this team here. So number two and number three in Jersey next year, if there's a New Jersey nuke situation, 
they're actually going to be pretty good because they're going to be a lot of salty guys, angry not a, guys. Not a, you, know, you, know, you know who's the team that benefits the most from that? Oh, Rob. And I'm not even Ooh. doing it to be a dick. Oh. You already know who it is. It's the show. I, I, I agree. Not if they have the same quarterback, because if they get Huff, then they are a great team. If they don't get Huff, if, who are they going to get at quarterback? You. Well, no. that's the thing is, like, ah. we don't know what might come out of that. We might I see know, somebody else step is, out and make an opportunity. There's going to be combines this year. There's going to be a lot. There's going to be, I would assume that. Big Mike and all these guys on the Snow Tribe are going to make a solid push to go after flag guys, go again, go off, go try yeah, to find have, some they, they quarterbacks and JUCO kids. They have the workouts, right? But they the thing is, talking about how they're sponsored by shit that doesn't make some not well, stick as bad. But it doesn't. Like, like, here's Azuna the reason why the Snow Tribe would be the most. Corey, I know you hate the Snow Tribe. He hates Snow Tribe. He hates them so much. It's. It, they have the most advantageous thing because they have an NFL player as their leader. They have they have a great young running that running back. That kid, the kid who built like a Mack truck running down the field. Right. Uh, yeah. I'll I'll actually even say if I think I think I'll I'll agree with you, Matt, and I'll actually go on the women say if the New Jersey nuke thing happens, I'm looking at. Whoever the New Jersey Nuke team is, which will be mostly composed of BIC guys, right? Then yeah. the U, then the Snow Tribe, and then everybody else. I, I think it'll go in that order because the U is not going to lay down while this happens. And if the New Jersey Nukes are cutting guys from, let's say they get a few guys from the U. Let's say Trey, Trey um, Baskerville doesn't make the yeah. cut. Yeah, let's say he doesn't make the cut. Let's say Kaysaw Campbell doesn't make the cut. Let's say guys like that, um, Trey Cohen doesn't make the cut. Where are they going? They're going to go to a, the second team who's probably just as competitive. You get what I'm saying? So, to me... And I think that they would be better suited on the Snow Tribe because they would have more opportunity to get burned. I the agree. U is still the U. And that's not a negative. The U has a, way, a winning way of football. Right. Whether or not we see Carlos Crosland or Kareem Moon under center or even on the roster next year is anybody's guess. But, uh, you know, but those two players, we, they, the, but that's the thing. Those two teams need quarterbacks. If Huff is certainly not going back to the U, if that's not happening right. and the animals end up being just a few guys, like inside the lines talked about super teams on his page and shout out to him for being the TMZ of the A7FL, kind of an unflinching look, and also keeping us up to date on what Vanilla Vic is doing for reasons I can't possibly understand. But when we look at when we look at that opportunity, the consolidation of New Jersey not only pays benefits for the top three teams, whatever they end up being, but Boston can see some opportunity out of this. Um, I think Maryland might see some opportunities. Last year around this time, we were talking about CP3 being a Gator. That right. didn't end up happening. But uh, where does CP3? Think, does he does he move? Does he go to the Snow Tribe? Does he go to U? What are the cool. options for guys like that who have the athleticism but seem to have a broken horseshoe? In their face? Yeah, I think the CP3 thing is is kind of tough because it's it's. How many years is he going to start the year and, and do the things that he does? And he plays, he plays such a heroic style. I, I love the way that he plays football, but, but based on, you know, the, the, you know, just the history building up and building up, you know, I, I don't want to say those words, but 
it's hard and he's going to have to make that decision. But I think when you talk about snow tribe and, and, and the, the way that these teams condense, if they do do it, cause we're talking about where Huff can go. If, if I'm the guys in snow tribe, they had a very good roster last year. I mean, there there's places where they can improve, but they had a lot of dudes that could block and, and, and build a run game. Right. There were dudes that played good defense and they, they were missing kind of the identity until late in the season and somebody that could really effectively throw the ball for them, you know, consistently and, and, and you know, make guys like Marcel Chapman, make guys like Shane Turner, who did show at times that they could make plays, especially right. when it mattered in games like against the D.C. Buzz and early on in that U game in the playoffs. But if they could land that fish – if if I'm anyone that that you know, and obviously I'm not, right? It's it's been well documented. If I'm anybody involved in the snow tribe, I'm looking at Huff and I'm saying, look, what is it going to take? How we much? Well, what? Yeah. Well, we can, it, whether it's the it, whether it's what got Isaac over there, or whether it's more attention and you know, kind of you know the the you know the the recruitment treatment, whatever it takes. Hey man, listen. You get Huff on your team. You saw what happened to the animals. For like, and, and this is this is no shade. This is no disrespect. We saw what the Snow Tribe were last year, and the Snow Tribe last year are so much better than the animals were two years ago when they were about to get Huff. If Huff could make the animals the team that they were this year, imagine the team that Huff could make the Snow Tribe in twenty twenty four. With so, the kind of talent that he would also bring and augment, and the kind of elevation he job he did for an O and seven animals team. So are that, we basically saying that Huff is the key to New Jersey winning another championship in the NFL in the foreseeable future? If you're is looking to make a move, and, and and this is how we started it. If you're looking to make a move in the offseason, and Baby Joker has already gone off the animals. Mm. blood's in the water and shark week's over but if you know what you're doing you know that baby joker's gone so blood's in the water for the animals you better start having a conversation with somebody that i consistently say is the greatest quarterback in our league's history and before we get out of here on the a7fl three-on-one podcast we'll talk about the race but real quick i mm-hmm. uh, want to talk about the nominations for the a7fl awards this Friday, we, we will announce the nominees and we'll announce them in full here on the podcast next week. But let's run through what the vo- what the awards will be for this year. Obviously, we will have most valuable player. We will have offensive and defensive player of the year. And also, we will have rookie of the year, as we usually have. But we'll have a couple of different new awards this year that uh, will be presented by our partners at Unify at a7flfantoken.com. That's a7flfantoken.com. The first one is Game of the Year. That one might seem obvious, but Game of the Year is certainly something that we are going to Mm. look at and have a lot of conversations about. That's going to be a fun topic of discussion here on the pod. Returner of the Year, one of the most important positions in the A7FL, and I think this year was the year that really proved being a great returner in this league is a very valuable position and something that you should be awarded and rewarded for. And when we have the final one, Citizen of the Year, 
one of the things that the A7FL provides is great people uh, looking to help their community or to look to help their fellow player or be someone who's integral to the A7FL community. So we will have a Citizen of the Year award. The nomination process is going on now, and we will have nominees for you next week right here on the show. The voting will start on A7FLFanToken.com this weekend. So follow the A7FL across social media for all info regarding the A7FL Awards in 2023. But Corey's wearing the shirt at tinyurl.com backslash A7FL merch. You can go to tinyurl.com backslash A7FL merch now to get the shirt. See it right there. The Run Matt Run shirt. We had a race last week, uh, the last time we were on the podcast. Um, and my knee popped out, which was <laughs> fun. But... Casey Cox and I had our race. I believe I won the first one, but I was a man of my word, and I was a man who refused to let a draw exist. There should be no draws in football. So I decided to take the second. What do you mean? No draws. No no ties, Rob. Oh, okay. Yeah. No ties. Uh, Not not draws. We might be selling draws on tinyurl.com backslash. Phrasing is crazy. (laughs) Boy season boxers coming soon to the merch store. Um, When it comes to that second race, I had no idea that Casey Cox fell during that race. I had no idea. I, I was so focused on running and winning that I just was looking straight ahead. The old Satchel Page quote, "Keep don't look back because someone might be gaining on you. Right. I started out behind in both races, but the closing speed was clutch there. And oh, the second they, look. They, oh, my. No. Zach, cut to that image on the camera. Why am I holding an American flag? I don't know. She turned you, she turned you into conservative, but, uh, I mean, oh, we were out in Arizona. So it made me seven. Mm-mm. Listen, I, I, uh, I was like, are you sure? But she, her instincts are usually good on these things. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if tinyurl.com backslash A7FL merch is getting that. But um, that was representative of a lot of things that happened. Mostly that it was 120 degrees. Ugh. But, uh, amen. <laughs> it, uh, it has it happened. It's it, it's forever on whack. And we could all thank Matt Ryan for all of his hard work and dedication. But also, Casey Cox, he tried. Um, yeah, he, he tried. tried. I'm not gonna, he, didn't, he didn't, you know, and he, di- he didn't necessarily, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to be positive here, but, you know, we all saw it. But he he didn't shy away from competition. He stood up next to it in and uh, he was put back in his place, but he uh, he made the effort. He he certainly did. I'm not going to dog a fellow competitor, you know, as an athlete, a high-level athlete such as myself. You can't knock your competition. All you can do is look forward, uh, can't look back. And uh, I feel well, like look this down. Is, yes, uh, you have to. This is, this is my retirement from uh, the sport of fat announcer racing. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've given it my all. I think I could retire undefeated. Uh, un- Somewhere retire Steve Atmore is pissed. I don't care. 
five, I'm being told I had a contract for five races while I'm two-fifths of the way there, and uh, I didn't sign nothing. I don't remember signing nothing. Uh, how do rematches don't count? Fuck, fuck you. How about that? How about that? How about that? Um, I dropped my one F word of the show, and I think I used it wisely. But the one thing out of that race, and, and, and they did not talk about the race on the other side of the ball. Um, oh, no? They were focused on, on celebrating the champions as they, as should, they, have. As they should have. As they yeah. should. No time for losers. They, they had Rob's longtime personal friend, the A7FL championship in the house, so they had to pay some reverence. Um, but, wait, I didn't see the show, but wait, let me, let me guess. There was uh, 20 Insomniacs on. Yes. The, James came on, and he was making some salient points that were better than even the guys whose job it is to be there. Accurate. Chris Vera mentioned Maryland and RTU. Uh, between 17 and 38 times. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I, I guess I didn't see it, but I, I know what happened. All right, so we're, we're caught up. We're up to speed. Okay. But but aside, they mentioned RTU more times in the race, and shout out to my guy Keith Salmon. I know he's doing a lot and dealing with a lot, lot right now, so nothing but love and good shit to Keith because he's a good dude, and we really love talking with him, and he's a great person for the league. Uh, might be the voice of the DMV division next year, so shout outs to him for that opportunity, and I think he's coming back next season to play, so who knows what the hell will go on next year. But the thing about it is, as we wrap here on the podcast, Casey Cox was supposed to announce terms for the race if he won or I won. And there were no terms. He even said, I hadn't thought about it. Well, I have had a, about a week and some change to think about it. And I will, next week, on the three-on-one podcast, announce what Casey Cox will be doing for my terms of victory. And it won't be anything embarrassing, but I will require he and the members of the other side of the ball to sing a song determined by me. Nice. And either make it a music video or do a live performance on their program. Not our program. On their program. Because I feel benevolent in giving people content. But Well, they also, have the, they also have the equipment to do it. And they have no excuses. If yes, they have that. a studio. We are doing this from right. our homes. On, not, a, not an even keel there. So I feel like I can have them do it. Um, but on that note, pay attention to that next week. Next week on the pod, we will announce the nominees for the A7FL Awards. We'll inevitably talk about never other doomsday scenarios and other situations that may come out of this. If you are a player and you want to give us information, the easiest way to do that is by using the A7FL 3-on-1 hotline. How can you call the A7FL 3-on-1 hotline? It's very simple. The number you dial is 516-387-2735. That's 516-387-2735. And you can sign that up right now. And we have call, We have two voicemails. Oh. And... Uh, we won't play them now, but they are from an, uh, an outside area code that I don't know. But if you have a co- if you want to let us know something, 516-387-2735. That is the number for the A7FL 3-on-1 hotline. But for Big Rob Fabian, for Corey Hammond, for our producer this week, Zach Morgan, I'm Matt Ryan, saying as always, don't be an asshole. I'll try. I'll try.